verse 47, I'm going to continue, and really today is the end of the series on the, um, the parables of the kingdom that Jesus taught. This is the last of these parables that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. And these parables, these stories, these uh, illustrations explain for us the kingdom, the concept of the kingdom of God, so that when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, He brings you into the kingdom of God. You're a citizen of the Lord's kingdom. And this is the last of the parables. And this may be, this may be one of the most important of all parables. You know, are we rolling? All right, good. Um, you may hear a lot of sermons in your lifetime. You may hear a lot of teaching in your lifetime. But I pray that this one pierces your conscience with a truth that you'll never forget. Sometimes you just hear that message that for the next 10, 20, 30 years, however long you go through life, you just never forget it. It becomes, it becomes this, this message that explains God to you and, and it uh, puts things in perspective. I pray that this message is one of those. Jesus' final parable of the kingdom, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a net that was dropped into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it to shore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad fish. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked them. And they said to him, yes. And so he said to them, therefore... Every scribe, that is every teacher, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out from his treasure what is new and what is old. So this is called the parable of the net. And actually, it is what we would call today a dragnet. And a dragnet is distributed by boats out into the water and they let down this net as they're going along. If you could picture it, there may be one or two boats that have this big net and they are lowering it down as the boat is moving and there's weights on the bottom edge of the net that cause it to sink to the seafloor while they've got buoys on the top of the net that keep it floating so that it makes like a, a curtain from the bottom to the top of the water and they just let it out of the boat in a semicircle and then the fishermen with long ropes attached to the ends of that net begin the arduous task of pulling that net into the shore and as it rakes along the bottom and filters and all the water between it and the shoreline, it gathers every single fish and they draw the net into the shore. And there, everything that was in the water ends up on the shore. And Jesus says that the fishermen or the angels then sort out 
the good fish from the bad fish, the edible fish from the inedible fish. And the inedible fish, the fishermen throw away. They don't put him back into the water. Jesus said the interpretation of this was that at the end of the age, in the, in the judgment, the wicked or the, the bad are um, uh, discarded and the righteous are gathered to the Lord. Now, the net in this parable represents the power of the gospel. If you could just picture as they're letting that net out, it's the preaching and teaching of the gospel in all of its forms. It's the sharing of the gospel, whether you as an individual go out in, in school or on your job or just in conversation with a stranger. You share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have helped to drop the net. Or in church the gospel is preached. Or on television or in some other kind of venue. Anytime and anywhere, whether to an individual or to a group, the gospel of Jesus is shared. Or someone happens to pick up a Bible and is reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and they're reading the gospel. The net is being dropped. And so the net is put out into the world and then drawn to the shores of eternity where a final judgment separates the good from the bad. So the net represents the power of the gospel to capture all who hear it by its truth and to draw them to the shores of judgment. And there at the judgment, those who never allowed the grace of the gospel to transform their lives by the truth of Jesus Christ will be separated from the sincere believers who just simply did receive Jesus and followed him, and they will be cast into hell. The net is being dragged to the shoreline of judgment by the sheer force of its truth. In other words, we're not migrating or moving towards eternity by the strength of our faith. We're being dragged, and that's an unpleasant word, but you get the idea, we're being pulled to death. It's inescapable. We're being pulled not just to an ambiguous death, an uncertain death, but we're being pulled to a point at which this life gives way to eternity. And at that point, a judgment takes place. Everyone will pass through it. No one will escape it. And it is the gospel that is pulling all of humanity to that very point. And a separation will take place. Admittedly, this is the darkest of all of Jesus' parables, but it speaks a terrible yet necessary truth. And that is that the gospel of Jesus that we love, that saves us, and that gives us eternal hope, is drawing all souls into judgment. You know, this message about entering eternity through the process of a judgment is almost forgotten in the church today. We hear very little about it. Most of what we hear when the gospel is shared is just receive Jesus and, you know, things are going to be great and your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll go to heaven and that's about it. But the reality is, is there is a judgment that will filter every soul who hears the gospel. And let me say to you that not everyone who is carried by the gospel to the edges of eternity are going to be saved by the gospel. 
Not everyone who hears it's going to be saved. The sorting out, if you will, of the fish that occurs on that shore will reveal who was transformed by the gospel because they received it or who simply resisted it. The fact that the gospel is drawing you to eternity can be an indication of the fact that, you know, your parents went to church, you go to church. At some point, there's just some, on some level, you heard the gospel and maybe in your mind you, we could use the word you assent to it, which means you kind of, you kind of agree with it. But you're really not walking with the Lord. You're really not born again. You're not transformed. But you are being drawn to a point where you will eventually be judged by the gospel you have heard. So in this great net is not the church, but a much larger group of people than, quote, the church. It is everyone who has heard the gospel. And their decision that they've made when they've heard the gospel places them in that net. Many people in that net don't feel they've ever made a decision about the gospel. But by not making a decision, you've made one by default. The not making of a decision, the kicking the can down the road, the ignoring it, the putting it off till tomorrow is a decision in and of itself. Jesus said in John, the one who rejects me and does not accept my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus had just said to the crowd that he was talking to, I come not into the world to judge the world. At this time, I've come to save the world. But there is a judge. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't think there's not going to be a judgment. There will be a judgment. And the thing that will judge you in the last day will be what did you do with what you heard about the gospel? In other words, Jesus said, the word that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. So if you see this net being dragged by the fishermen, to the shore. When the fish are separated, there's only one of two places. Good fish are put into the kingdom of heaven. Bad fish are put into hell. There's no in-between. There's no degrees. There's no, here's really good fish. And here's bad, not so bad. Here's really bad. There's just bad and good. There's edible and inedible. And there's a reason why it's so simple and so plain and so clear. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Let me, um, <clears throat> let me get down to another point that Jesus made about the fish being drawn to shore in the judgment. When it was all done saying that, that the bad fish will be cast into hell, be rejected, and the good fish will be brought into the kingdom of God and, and uh, brought to the Lord... He then asked them a question. He said, do you understand what I've said to you? And these guys all nodded their head and they said, yeah, yeah, we understand exactly what you said. So then Jesus says, therefore, since you understand this, I say to you that every teacher, now I want you to think of yourself as a teacher. You look at me and you say, well, you're the pastor of the church, you're the teacher. But every single disciple of Jesus is a teacher on some level. Every one of us ought to be growing to the point in Christ. Even if you've only been saved a month, you're able to turn around and be a teacher to somebody who is just hearing the gospel for the first time. So every disciple should aspire to being a teacher of the gospel to somebody. So there's a responsibility. Listen, Jesus said, if you've understood what I've said to you, 
about the net of the gospel and being drawn into judgment, then I say to you, every teacher, every scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house or the, the head butler or the head steward. He's got the authority over a house and all of its wealth. And he brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I used to read that from ye for years, and I did not always connect it with the parable that he had just spoken. I thought that the, the comment about Jesus saying, every teacher instructed for the kingdom of God brings out of his treasure something new and something old, was just a point that was standing alone by itself. But it's actually Jesus sum, summarizing this parable about heaven and hell and the net of the gospel. In other words, at the conclusion of this parable, Jesus concludes the parable not with a warning to people about their behavior, but a warning to preachers about what they preach. Think about it. The net is capturing everyone who hears the gospel. And the Lord sees that over the centuries, over the years of your life, you're being drawn towards eternity. Every day ticks away another day of your life. Every day, you are one day closer to eternity, one day closer to judgment. And so Jesus, after saying this and asking them, do you understand? They said, yes, we understand. Then Jesus said, well, then understand this. And what I'm and you might have expected him to say was, make sure you're good. Kind of like Santa Claus. Santa Claus is coming to town. Make sure you're not naughty, but you're nice so that you'll get good things on Christmas. But Jesus didn't say, because judgment is coming and you understand that the net's drawing you into shore, make sure that your behavior's good so that you could be put into the kingdom of God and not bad so that you'll be put into hell. But that's not what he said. He said, knowing that eternity is, is looming on the horizon and we're being drawn by the gospel into it, I warn the teachers to teach the whole gospel. Bring out of your treasure something new and something old. As I pondered on this, I realized why Jesus said it. He said it because when people hear the gospel and they're, in a sense, caught in that net, they're being drawn to shore, they're not instantly saved. They're thinking about what they've heard. And at that moment, they have the rest of their life, however long that is, to think about and consider what it is they're hearing and hopefully come to the point where they understand the truth of the gospel and receive Jesus as their Savior. You know, many people go in and out of church every week for year after year after year, and they're never born again. They're never saved. They never really surrender their life to Jesus. They just simply feel spiritually comfortable because they've, they've come to church. And somewhere in the back of their mind, they feel like, well, I'm okay. Because in their mind, facing eternity is all about whether I'm a good person or a bad person. They think that when they come to that shore, it's going to be about do my good works outweigh my bad works. They think the Lord's going to take a fish, throw them in a scale, and if the good weight of that fish is better than whatever is the bad weight on the other end, that they're going to get to go to heaven. And it's not true at all. Jesus warns the teachers, stay on the gospel. Amen. 
Don't mess around with all kinds of teaching, old stuff, new stuff, the latest thing and the ancient thing and the, you're the keeper of the ancient truths of the law or you are the, the teacher of the latest revelation. Stay with the gospel of Jesus because the gospel of Jesus has the power to change bad fish to good fish. And that's what it really comes down to. Somebody say amen. So Jesus makes two points by talking and warning the teachers. Number one, unlike natural fish, which obviously can't change what they are, you're not going to change a squid into a bass as it's dragged by the net toward shore. But unlike fish, we people who are in the net of the gospel, we are entering the net of a gospel that can convert us, can change us. We are convertible. Can you say amen? We can be converted from unacceptable to acceptable. Maybe when you entered that net, we were all unacceptable. But hopefully by the time you hit the shore, you will have been transformed. Can you say amen? Because what is unacceptable or what is acceptable is determined not by behavior, but by the transforming power the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. That's why when you hear the gospel, you should never turn around and walk out and say, I'm not ready to get saved because I don't think I could live that life or I don't think I could do all those good things or I, or I don't think I can stop doing those bad things. It's not a matter of what you're able to do. It's a matter of you recognizing that I need a Savior. I'll never be able to turn myself into somebody that is acceptable on the shores of eternity. And so in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow, that's amazing. So why do people, when they hear the name of Jesus, not call on Him? When the Bible says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, truly out of their heart, calls upon Him. The Lord is willing to save them. They just need to call upon the name of Jesus and surrender their lives to Him. But then he goes on to say, how then will they call upon them in whom they've not believed? Because it's not just yelling Jesus. It's having faith in who He is and calling upon His name. It's not just a mindless religious thing. And so he says, how can they call upon him if they've not believed in him? And how can they believe in him if they've not really heard about him? Here's where the warning to the teachers come in. Make Jesus plain. Don't pollute people's minds with all kinds of unimportant religious ideologies that simply complicate Jesus and don't make him plain to people. People need to have a clear picture of who is Jesus because that's the only thing that's going to change anybody's life that's going to transform. And so he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how shall they hear in order to call unless somebody preaches? So the, that's why the warning is to the teachers, the preachers of the gospel, is to make sure you preach Christ. Another verse that we're very familiar with is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says that, um, we are a new creation in Christ. There the scripture says that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In other words, he was changing fish from bad to good. He was not 
counting their trespasses against them. What an awesome statement. He saw the bad fish. He knew they were inedible. He knew if they hit the shore as bad fish, they will go to hell. They'll be rejected. I cannot receive evil into the kingdom of God. He knew they had to be transformed, but they could never change themselves. Not by acting like a good fish. A squid can't act like a bass. It can't get to shore and all of a sudden try to make itself look like a bass, sound like a bass. It is what it is. But it could be changed. It could be transformed. It's miraculous and God is a God of miracles. And it says that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. But he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. So that God through us is making his appeal be reconciled to God. So there it is. There's the, the warning. That was the first thing about Jesus' warning to the teachers was because you have the power to see to it that the people who've entered the gospel receive it and are changed. The second thing I've already implied, I'll just simply make a note of it for you, and that is disciples are admonished, warned, admonished to be trained for the kingdom of heaven. You know, I've, I've heard, I've seen so many teachers and preachers over the years that specialize in one aspect, one little truth, like they're, they're specialists in end-time teaching or they're specialists in the law. Now, that's not to say that you can't teach about the last days or the book of Revelation, and it's not to say that you can't teach out of Leviticus. But the fact is that a specialist in any of those things is not going to bring people to Jesus. The gospel is what brings people to Jesus. So he admonishes the teachers, see to it that you are trained for the kingdom of heaven. Those fish in the net, what good is it going to do them to reach heaven's shore and not truly be transformed if what they know is all about what's going to happen with the rapture, what's going to happen with the Antichrist and all that other stuff. What good is it if they're not changed by the time they finally get there? And so he says, you must be trained in the kingdom of heaven. We're not to be merely religious historians guarding ancient laws or modern teachers with trend-setting revelations because you and I, as teachers of the gospel, as Christians that ought to be sharing the gospel with others, our eyes are on the inevitable shoreline of judgment. That's where our eyes are. We see judgment coming. We're headed there, and we know so is everybody else around us. And because of it, we are bringing out of our treasure Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega. He is something old and something new. In Jesus, all of the old truth of the Old Testament and all the revelation of the New Testament is perfectly distilled and brought together in Him. When you preach the gospel of Jesus, you're preaching the latest thing. When you preach Jesus, you're preaching the law. But when you preach the law, you're not preaching Jesus. And when you preach what's going to happen with the Antichrist, you're not preaching Jesus. But when you preach Jesus, you're preaching all of it. Because he is the only one that can get you to that shore saved. Somebody say amen. amen. So don't waste your time specializing in teachings that aren't going to help people who are in that net become acceptable by the time they reach that shore. Somebody say amen. amen. 
it's a sad thing that Christians have gotten tired of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen on that shore when we reach the edge of eternity. That net is brought into the shore. We're not just going to go running out of the net and uh, running up the sand dunes into heaven and, and uh, find a, the address of our mansion and jump in and start having a happy eternity. Not that a happy eternity isn't waiting uh, or all those great things are waiting, but every one of us is processed through a judgment. The Bible says the angels are going to come out and they're going to start sorting through what's in that net. Everything in that net is going to pass through the hands of the angels and they're going to put you in one place or the other. Either you're going to enter the kingdom of God or you're going to enter hell. One or the other and there's no in-between and there's no escaping. The gospel is inescapable because it is the only truth. People in this world can stand and look up or look around at life and have all the opinions that they want to have. All I think this, well, I think that. Well, you know they say this. Well, you know they've recently discovered that. They could talk all they want to, but there's no power in any of that talk. But the gospel is the truth of eternity. That is the net that is dragging every soul to the edges of eternity. That is inescapable because that is the truth. So the fact that Jesus used the Jewish fishermen sorting out the catch from a dragnet is very important because you see them sitting on the shore. The Jewish fishermen were separating out fish according to the law. Now Jesus used this example because he was speaking to Jewish people. By law, they could only eat Certain fish, it had to have fins, had to have scales. They couldn't have, a, Lord, thank you that we're not Jewish and not required because, oh, I would hate to go through life without shrimp or scallops. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. Lobster. But, um, but the fact is, they were separating out not what was the big fish or little fish, not what a fish that was kind to the other fish, or one that was bad to the other fish, but they were separating out the edible from the inedible fish. And by doing this, Jesus was making the statement that judgment is going to be based on your nature, not on your behavior. When we come to the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to be welcomed into heaven or rejected and put into hell because you did bad, more bad things than more good things, or because you did more good things than bad things. Because by doing good things, you can't make yourself good, and by doing bad things, you don't necessarily make yourself bad. The fact is, we were all sinners. It's a nature thing. And so the decision, when the sorting starts, is are you born again, or are you not born again? And you can't born yourself again. I don't know if that's... I don't know if you can say it like that, but you can't born again yourself. In fact, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, when he came to him at midnight, he said, well, how do we enter the kingdom of God? He said, you can't even see it, much less enter it if you're not born again. Nicodemus said, whoa, I'm grown up. How can I enter back into my mother's womb and be born again? 
it's obviously impossible. Jesus said, I'm speaking about a spiritual rebirth that only God can give you. And you must be born from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does this to your life. He's the one that changes you from being unsaved to saved. You don't make yourself saved. He makes you saved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You wonder, when you meet Christians that really understand the grace of God, you wonder why they're always singing and praise you, Jesus and everything. Because He's done something for them they couldn't do for themselves. And so Jesus is saying, it's your nature in the judgment, not your behavior, that is going to be the basis of the separation. You know, the fact that Jesus ties nature to the diet of your teaching, the teaching you submitted to, determines your nature, proves that being good versus being bad or being just versus being wicked is a result of the choices you made about Jesus and not a result of a nature that you couldn't change. That's a little sophisticated, but let me break it down for you. Some people believe, well, you know what? Um, I'm either just naturally destined for heaven or I'm naturally destined for hell. And, uh, you know, you'll run into people sometimes that'll say, you know, I'm just, I, I'm not going to get born again because that's not me. I'm just not wired that way. My nature is, you know, I'm just a sinner and I'd rather go, and go to hell and party with my friends. There's nobody going to be partying down there. I don't know who told you that, but nobody's going to be partying. Um... But the reality is that because Jesus said to the teachers, make sure you teach the Word of God because that can change them, that proves, that proves that your judgment is based upon whether you have the right nature, not whether you've done the right things. See, people that let Jesus save them, they're their behavior automatically begins to change. Their behavior it begins to become different. They don't change overnight. They don't become perfect. I don't know a single Christian, starting with myself, who's perfect. Doesn't make, mis doesn't make mistakes. Doesn't have to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I blew it again. Every one of us do that. Every one of us need to do that. But I know that should I hit that shore the moment I step out of this pulpit, that I will be put into the container that says, stamped for heaven, stamped for glory. Not because I didn't get caught doing something bad at the moment I was dying, but because the nature in me, God put in me. I am born again. I have a new nature, and I have to praise Jesus for it because I didn't do a thing to get it, didn't deserve it. I certainly haven't done anything to earn keeping it, but he's keeping me. Somebody say, praise the Lord. That's why Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, be careful about what you listen to and how you hear the Gospel. Don't ever come into church. Don't ever open the Bible. Don't ever listen to the Word of God with your mind somewhere else. Listen and think about Take to heart the gospel when you hear it because it is the one thing in your life that will determine whether you live forever or whether you are tormented forever in hell. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Yes, 
There's absolutely no doubt about it. Your soul is eternal. And you with your identity, knowing who you are, you're not going to leave this world and drift off into some cosmic consciousness where you become blended in with all of the souls of humanity and you're just a little cell in the molecule of humanity drifting through eternity. I mean, I can't even get my mind around that. But you know, because you know who you are, you have self-awareness. That is an indication that you have an eternal soul. You will know even as you are known, the scripture says. That you will understand. You will look back and you'll remember your life. You'll know exactly who you are. You're not going to change into something different when you enter eternity. There's good news. Nature can be overcome. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in that net that's being drawn to heaven short, and I know I'm a bad fish. I have good news for you today. Your nature is bad, but it can be changed. Nature can be overcome. Romans 11:24 says, You by nature were a branch cut off from a wild olive tree. And God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into the cultivated tree of Christ. So God is willing to change your nature. That's what being saved is all about. God's call to you and to me to be saved and to be chosen on that shore of eternity, chosen at the moment of judgment, is based on the ability of the gospel to change your nature from bad to good. The very fact that that could take place is why God calls you to be saved. It would be cruel for God to call you to be saved if he knew that you're stuck in a nature that could never change and there's no way you could be saved. He'd be calling to you all your life and you'd be running from one altar call to the next trying to get yourself saved and never able to get there. You'd finally die and you'd, you'd enter judgment only to be tossed on the grates of hell like a burned up lump of coal. Now where's the love and where is the compassion and the mercy? The Bible says that our God loves us and because He loves us He sent His Son into the world so that he could change that bad fish to a good fish. Somebody say amen. amen. The very fact that you are warned about a judgment to come is evidence that you are accountable for the truth that can transform your life. Now, I want you to think about that. If you're taking notes, you may want to write that down because that's worth its weight in gold. The very fact that you're warned of a judgment to come by God is evidence that He holds you accountable for the truth that can change your life. Nobody who's heard the gospel will ever stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, I couldn't do it. Jesus said, yeah, that's right. I told you you couldn't do it. That's why I came to save you and didn't ask you to save yourself. I gave you the truth, the key that could have changed and transformed your life, but you ignored it. You threw it away. You didn't pay attention to it. You went through life saying, I could do it myself. I could do it myself. I could do it myself. And now you've gotten yourself 
to this place. And you're the same sinner you were that you went through life. The good news is that you are accountable because God has given you the truth that can change you. Right now, today, there's not a one of you whose life cannot be transformed by the power of God's love, by the power of His grace. He doesn't love someone else more than He loves you. His grace is not working towards you like it's working towards someone else. His grace is working. His door is open. His love is for you just as it's been for everybody else. You are heading for the shores of eternity with the truth that can prepare you for that judgment. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me kind of finish what I'm saying this morning by talking for a few minutes about the judgment seat of Christ. We read in the Bible, for those of you that, that like to study all these things out, which is good, uh, we hear of the great white throne judgment. Do we hear about these different judgments? The judgment that Jesus was talking about in this parable where the fishermen or the angels draw the net of the gospel in and then sort them out. is what the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, when we come to that shore, it's Jesus sitting upon the throne. King Jesus, who is Savior, who died for your sins. You're going to hit that shore and it's going to be Jesus who died for your sins that you will face. The angels will sort you out. So the gospel net is bringing to the judgment seat of Christ all of you who hear that gospel. And it will reveal whether you repented and received it or whether you heard it but resisted it and kept kicking the can down the road. In that net, souls are churning. Everyday life, they're moving within that net as they come to shore. And everything in your life it's not about your job or whether you got a raise or who broke up with you or who's left you, abandoned you, talked about you, who likes you, you're popular now, you're unpopular, you're sick, you're uh, healthy, you're, uh, you're fantastic, you're, you're, uh, you're uh, a moron. <laughs> it's not about any of those things that you go through in life. In all of those changes that you go through, the ups and the downs, it's all about one thing. Are you receiving the gospel and living a transformed life of God's grace? Or are you kicking that can down the road? Are you saying to Jesus, tomorrow, some other time, not now? You and I don't know when that day will be. When we step from this plane into eternity. But that net is drawing you to the separation. And the decision will be, what did you do while you were in that net? Everyone who hears the gospel positions themselves for eternity by their response to Jesus. And listen to me this morning, because this is what really matters. It's what you do, not what you think about Jesus, but what you do about Jesus that is the basis of your judgment. There are so many people that are heading for that judgment who are going to be shocked and surprised because they think that salvation is hearing the gospel and in their mind saying, well, I believe that. That's like, that's like believing that your house value will always stay the same. That's like believing that the river will never dry up. That's like believing that the mountain will never crumble. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, 
but His Word will never pass away. You see, it's not what you think about Jesus that makes you a Christian. It's what you do about Jesus. Do you receive Him and do you let Him be Lord of your life? Or do you just think about Him and live as a Christian thinker? Because that's what the judgment is all about. The gospel net's drawing a lot of people. But it's those who have received him. At the judgment, all good fish are actually bad fish that allowed God's grace to transform them from bad fish to good fish. Did you realize that? Everybody comes into that net as an inedible reject. And it's whether you let Jesus save your life, save your soul. All good fish start out as bad fish. They just believe and receive the gospel and they follow Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. And so let me finish with this sentence. So now, in light of all of this, while the net of the gospel is being dragged to the shoreline of eternity, heed the gospel. That's moving you towards judgment while there's still time for you to let its grace prepare you for what's coming. That needs to be preached all over the world today. It puts the gospel where it needs to be. A decision needs to be made every day of your life concerning Jesus. Close your Bible and stand with me.